Hello and welcome to the Excel Books Podcast. It's your favorite host, Molly. And on my show, we like to talk about work, family, and life. If you haven't heard about my my business or my channel, please visit me on the web at www.xelbooks.com. I am an entrepreneur, a mom, a little goofy, and I really just like to help people um, take their business to the next level through a variety of services. So if you have a business or you want a business and you're like, I just need a little help, visit me on the web um, and check out some of the free services and things that I have to offer you. You can also book a free consultation and we can talk about what your business needs and I can let you know if that's something I can do or I can connect you with one of my amazing colleagues that can probably do that service for you. All right, so... I want to hop right into this and I want to be kind of brief, um, but I think it's just important to cover this. So the last episode, um, I talked with you guys about COVID and how my dear, amazing, wonderful spouse um, was diagnosed with COVID. And I want to talk to you. I first want to say we're okay. We're okay. Um, I apologize. I know some of you reached out to me and was like, Molly, you didn't tell us like, are you okay? Have you healed? Do you and the kids have it? You know, what's going on? I'm like, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you. So the kids and I are fine. We tested, we are negative. So we do not have COVID. Um, my hubby is improving day by day. He's doing very, very well. Um, he's back to normal and now just kind of keeping the um, quarantine timeline, you know, just for safety's sake. So um, we'll see him probably at the end of the week. So looking forward to that longest two weeks of our lives. Um, But he's doing well. Um, I attribute a lot of it. Someone else asked me, uh, one of the listeners said, hey, you know, are you vaccinated, not vaccinated? Do you think it made a difference? Um, Yes, we are all fully vaccinated. Um, And I even had my booster shot before he got diagnosed. And... um, Yes, we. I do believe that made a difference in his healing, especially, um, and I won't put the information out there on, you know, just for, you know, his respect and dignity, um, but I'll say that he has a immunity compromising illness that I believe had he not had the booster could have had really um, challenging consequences. So, um, yes, we got the vaccine. We are pro-vaccine. We believe in the vaccine. Thank God for it. And, yes, that's made a good difference. So, what do I want to talk to you guys about? Because I know you're thinking, okay, Molly, you just told me you're okay. You just told me the hubby's okay. The kids are okay. What else could you possibly want to tell me about COVID right now? I want to talk to you about COVID mindset. And I believe that this message just needs to go out because I have literally recorded this thing three times. Uh, You guys don't see the background, you know, where we do all the, you know, editing and what do we put on the air and what do we not say, you know, and I literally have tried recording this three times and we're going to get this out to you because I need you to hear it. Um, I want to talk to you about mindset and the importance of your mindset um, and how it drives your actions. So in the midst of this COVID thing, my hubby had a birthday. He had a birthday and, you know, I don't know if you have experienced COVID or if you have a loved one that has experienced COVID, but trying to celebrate memorable events while someone is ill is really, really hard. Um, You have to get creative. You can't use uh, traditional means. You have to think outside the box. You have to really seek God's wisdom in order to make it a memorable occasion um, outside of your traditional, um, you know, behaviors. So we're used to, you know, it's a birthday, we, you know, we bake a cake and, you know, make him a fancy dinner. Maybe I go out, you know, with him somewhere and, you know, maybe I'll I'll get him, you know, hand him presents or maybe I'm the present, you know, because I'm a spouse. But I couldn't do those things because my hubby has COVID, you know, so I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to celebrate my man? 
and he's in a completely different house. So, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, he's at a different property. I can't, you know, I can't go sit in there with him, you know, you know, for risk of my own health, especially since I have so many um, immunity challenges. So I literally, you know, for me, it was nothing to think this way, but I said, okay, God, what can I do? How can I celebrate him and still maintain social distance and all this other stuff? And so what I ended up doing was I went to DoorDash. And um, I don't know if you know this, but there's, uh, you probably know it. I didn't know um, (laughs) because I'm new. There is a, there's a feature in DoorDash called um, Make It a Gift. It's on the checkout screen. And right before you hit, you know, place order, um, if you click the make it a gift, it has some really cool things in there. Um, It allows you to send like a virtual text message to the person that you want to gift it to. And it even gives you little pictures, you know, something that you can pick up and say, oh, I want the happy birthday one or I want the Merry Christmas one or whatever it is. You could put a custom note, um, you know, to that person. And then the cool part is you can choose if you want that person to decide when it's delivered. I thought that was the coolest thing. It doesn't cost anything to do this make it a gift thing. So I I chose that. I actually went to DoorDash. I found um, some cupcakes. I found some birthday cupcakes from a really good um, bakery nearby and, you know, selected all of the cupcakes that I wanted him to have, you know, and even wrote a note like, hey, can you put like a birthday candle or write happy birthday on there for him or something? And, you know, then made it a gift. And what was cool was, you know, my hubby got this text message saying, hey, there's a gift for you, you know, from DoorDash. And so he gets the, you know, he opens it up and there's the little message and the picture that I gave him. And it says, when, did, when, when would you like your present delivered? And what made this really powerful was the fact that, you know, my hubby, although he was improving, he was still feeling very, very fragile. You know, he didn't want to, he wasn't ready to eat at that moment. And had I just delivered it the way I wanted to, I believe that my, you know, it might have gone to waste or it may have sat outside for longer than it needed to. And so this allowed him to have control and say, I'll be ready in about two or three hours. You know, that'll give me enough time to gather my strength, you know, hobble to the door, you know, maybe grab the cupcakes, you know, sit down, rest some more, you know, and then maybe eat one. And it was perfect. And God was like, that's good. And I was like, okay, God, what else can I do? It's like, why don't you sing happy birthday to him? So I recorded myself on my phone singing happy birthday to my hubby, sent it to him. Um, So he had me singing for him. I made a virtual um, meeting online so that all of us and anyone he wanted could join him on this link and, um, and see him, you know, whenever he was ready. And then I put a shout out to him, you know, on social media. Now, was it the same as having him here? No. But he still got honored, which was the important thing. And this leads me to mindset and both how you can get it and where I get this from. And, and I'm hoping that there's people listening that are like me and have gone through this. Um, I'm going to take you back a little bit, take you back to where this all started, because some of you are probably listening and you're like, well, Molly, I, I think it's great that you did all that. But how how are you able to do all of that so calmly, knowing that your hubby has COVID, this pandemic that's been going around and people are literally dying from this thing? How are you able to keep a level head? I'm going to tell you to tell you, I must go back, you know, once upon a time. No. Um, when I was a kid and ever since I can remember, I've always been the strong one. And, and for those of you listening, I'm sure you can relate. I'm talking about the person that people look at you and they're like, oh yeah, she can handle it. You know, when tragedy comes, they come to you first. Um, when someone passes in the family, they come to you first. 
um, you know, because they just know you can handle it. I've always been that person. Um, and apparently I've been this person since I was a kid. So not just, you know, not just, uh, you know, okay, I'm a kid and, you know, I had a bad day and, you know, they were like, okay, well, she could handle it well. No, I mean, like, I'm four years old and to a point where even my parents would look to me because they're like, she just handles things so well. I don't know why I've always been that way. Um, it's in my blood. Um, anytime someone passed in the family, they looked to me because I was the one with the level head who would say, okay, everybody get it together for five minutes. I need everyone to decide, okay, do we have a will? Do we have funeral arrangements? Who's in charge of that? Do we have money for the funeral? Where is it? Who do we contact? You know, that kind of thing. And this is literally how, um, you know, this is how my life has been. Now, to make matters even um, deeper, to take you deep, to really understand, like, you know, Molly, when you say you're the strong one, what do you mean? Let me give you a really great example of when I realized this. A couple of years ago, I was at an amazing, amazing church in Jacksonville, Florida. And I was so happy because the pastor there had, um, he really, you know, he used to say something all the time where he said people are circling around uh, like airplanes looking for a place to land. And I feel like this church is going to be the place for them to land. And for me, it was. I loved my church uh, with everything in me. And I loved my pastor. I love um, the first lady, you know, she never would want me to call her that, but I love her, uh, the first lady and their family and, you know, all of them just loved my church. And then one day out the blue, um, an announcement was made that our pastor was stepping down and that he was passing the baton onto one of the ministers, you know, who we, we've known him and heard of him and everything, but it was passing on. And when the announcement was made, you know, and if you've ever been in a church where, you know, a pastor stepped down for any reason, you know, that is a very sensitive time. Some people, you know, really can't, can't handle it. You know, they can't handle the pressure and the, the intenseness of, oh my gosh, there's change. And what about this? And who's going to, you know, do this? You know, all these questions go around. Well, when that happened, as you can expect, like any other church, our church went multiple ways. We had both the people that were um, in mourning, you know, because they're like, but I love my pastor and I don't want him to go. And where is he going to go? And wherever he goes, I want to go. And, you know, all this was going on. And then we had the other people that were like, oh, well, this is going to be great, you know, because I really love this minister. And I think it's going to be the beginning of a new era and da, 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 da. Everybody was in all kinds of emotional arrays. But me, my response was different. And it was different because I've always been wired this way. I don't even have to think about it. It's a subconscious thing that happens in me. My gut reaction, my first response was, who's going to comfort the youth? Who's going to comfort the youth leaders. At the time, I was a team captain uh, with the youth ministry, and I, my heartbeat was just for them. I was like, they're going to be on an emotional roller coaster. They have to have something stable. They have to have something they know is not moving, something that's not changing enough for them to get through this hurdle. And and then you know I could think about everything else. So my first response was. I'm going to youth ministry to check on my youth. And I made it a passion of mine, a point to serve every single service, even though I wasn't on schedule for like the next month, I made sure I was there, even if it was just to poke my head in. Um, and it wasn't because I was trying to be super servant. It was because all I could think of was the heart of the youth. I don't want them going into an emotional sadness I want to give them comfort. I want them to know it's going to be okay. I thought about my youth leaders and I thought, oh my gosh, we don't know who's going to try to leave during this time. Um, some of them may get worried. They may start thinking, well, 
you know, what if they don't receive as well from the new ministers they did before or vice versa? You know, I didn't know what to expect. I just wanted to be there, even if it meant being a sounding board or something. I just, my heart was to serve them. So I did just that. And this whole time, you know, everyone around me, I mean, they are emotionally falling apart. And they could not understand why I was so calm. I mean, just calm. Um, so they were like, why are you so calm? You know, everybody else is emotionally broken down. And I remember I kept telling them, I said, I can't really explain why I'm so calm. It's my nature. It's how God wired me. I, I'm just, I, I don't really know what it is. I just... I don't break down that easily. And this went on for about a month, month and a half. By a month and a half, everybody in the church had kind of figured out their path. Um, meaning, you know, we had people that said, okay, they're going to stay. They're not leaving. They're going to be right here with the new minister and support them like they did um, our pastor. Then we had other people that were like, well, if he's not here, I'm not here. I'm gone. And they just left the church. Um, and then you had the people on the fence, you know, but everybody had kind of figured out where, where they stood, right? You know, what they were going to do. Everyone was calmer because they had figured out their emotion. They had processed it, dealt with it, and they were moving forward. I, on the other hand, after a month and a half, finally had my emotional moment and you're thinking, what? You know, it's a month and a half. Yeah, it took that long for me. And it generally takes that long for me. So it, a month and a half, it finally kicked in. And I remember I was driving home. And I just had this emotional breakdown. I just collapsed emotionally. And I was just wailing on the side of the road. I mean, I had to pull over. I was just more just, oh my gosh. And they're like, what happened? Did someone die? Are you okay? And, you know, thank God one of my um, spiritual friends noticed me. They're like, are you okay? And I was like, he's gone. My pastor's gone. And all of a sudden they looked at me and realized, I said, oh, for you, the emotion was delayed. You, you just responded to help everyone in need first. And I thank God because, you know, they came, you know, they, they gave me a hug and were like, it's going to be okay. And I was like, ah, you know, I'm just falling apart. Now, I will also say my breakdown did not last long. Meaning I probably cried for about, probably about 30 minutes, just intense wailing, like, oh my gosh, the world is horrible, you know, um, had to kind of sit by myself for about an hour. And then after that, I was good. Um, not that I wasn't sad about what was happening, but there were no more tears. There was no more emotional breakdown. Um, I was like, okay, it's out. I've dealt with it. All right, let's go. And that was the end of it for me. Now, it wasn't because I was trying to be strong or trying to be macho. It's just how I was wired. And I remember... I remember thinking at that time, because I didn't want anyone to see me cry, um, and thank God for my husband, you know, he helped me during that season as well. But the reason I didn't want anyone to see me cry is because of mindset. And it wasn't just my mindset I was concerned about. It was the mindset of other people as well. Um, growing up, I was the person who, because I didn't respond quickly in emotions, you know, I respond more in action. My default is how do we survive? Um, I got picked at. Uh, people called me cold. They called me unfeeling. Uh, they would say that I lacked emotion, that I, I just didn't know how to connect with people. I lacked social skills or whatever they could think of. They could not process that it would take me that long to feel and express emotion. I've been this way since before I can remember. I think I was just born this way. 
Um, I wasn't a child that cried a lot. You know, I, I just, I'm just not that person. And I didn't want to deal with someone else's mindset towards me um, in a negative manner. Um, but over time, you know, after meeting with that wonderful uh, spiritual friend that, you know, gave me a hug, saw that I was crying on the side of the road and, you know, came and hugged me. Um, I ended up talking with them and they said, you know, I actually think this is a strength. It's a strength that you have. And I'm like, wow, no one's ever named it a strength before. <laughs> you know, um, people have said many things about me, but they've never called it something positive. And I remember she said, well, no, this is really powerful. You have an ability to face tragedy with a level head. And then when all the dust settles, that's when you let yourself fall apart. You're literally like the people you see in movies. And I'm like, wow, I never thought about it that way. And she asked this wonderful question that I never thought about answering before. She said, how do you do it? And I don't know about you, but for me, I had a long pause when that happened. I'm like, how? It's just in me, you know? And I thought about it and I said, okay, but what if somebody really needed to know how to do this? What if they struggled in this area and they're like, I really want to learn how to do this? So I want to give you a few uh, pointers in case you're figuring out how to do, how to have a, a healthy, strong mindset and I say this because you know before I get into the the how-to's having a healthy mindset is absolutely vital a strong mindset is critical and the reason why is because tragedy does not pause for your feelings life doesn't pause for your feelings and, and I'm saying this gently um But I say this because, how can I put it? You ever heard this saying that no one's going to save you but you? No one's coming to rescue you? You ever heard that saying? Um, and in many ways, it's true. When I think about when the pandemic first started, everyone had to figure out what to do, how to survive. A lot of people went to the emotional route first. They just freaked out. Oh my gosh, they're going to keep me in the house like a prisoner. I can't take this. You know, just falling apart. Instead of thinking, okay, no one's going to help me day to day. What can I do? Those with a strong, healthy mindset were able to adapt first. And this is how you ended up with the memes you know, with people saying, oh, people that are homeschooling all the time, you know, happy as pie. And then other people that are not, you know, they're freaking out. You know, they had all these, you know, contrary memes to each other. Um, it's because of mindset. I actually did this when the pandemic first started. And I won't go into all of it. If you want to know more, you can actually go back to the first season. I talked a great deal about it in one of my episodes. Um but when the pandemic first started, before the shutdown, a week before the shutdown, I took my kids out of school um, because I had a feeling and I said, you know what, I just don't like this. They're just going to be home. And my first thought was, okay, how do we survive? I was not concerned about how long the shutdown was going to be. I wasn't concerned with how many absences my kids would have in school or all of that. My thought was, how do we survive? What do I do to give them the highest level of normal in a safe environment? I can't put them back out in public right now. So how do I give them normal? What kind of entertainment do they need? What kind of movies do they need? What kind of, um, how can I give them a quality education at home without them feeling like they're missing too much? How can I get them field trips and a way to feel like they're outside without going outside? Um, what can we do in our own yard? How can I make this fun? You know, like these were the things that I 
thought about as my default and that's because my mindset um, automatically thinks that way. And that allowed us to survive. And I believe that is why um, even though things opened back up, you know, in 2021 and there's still a lot of limitations, we're actually okay. We actually have, you know, we're trying to adjust um, to being in public now because we're like, we're, we're good. We're, we're okay at home. Um, so the first thing I'll say in having a strong mindset, now that you've got some background from me, is it starts with a decision. It starts with a choice. What do I mean by that? Choice is everything. And choice is not, it's not just something you say. Choice and decision are an action word. You have to do something. What do I mean by that? If you say, I choose to get up early every morning so that I can exercise or whatever it is. That choice really isn't a decision until you get up. You can say all day, I'm getting up early. I get up early. You can even say it as if it's already happened. I always get up early. But until you physically get yourself out of bed, you haven't fully made that choice. You just talked about it. You have to put action. You know, no different than faith without works is dead. You've got to get up and you've got to do something. Um, the first step is making a choice. What are we choosing? You got to choose what you want your response to be. Choose how you want to address the situation. And I don't mean like, it doesn't mean that you have all the answers. So that's something that, you know, a strong mindset is not. A strong mindset is not, okay, you have all the answers, you know what to do in every situation. That is not at all what a strong mindset is. It's no different than courage. Um, it is in the midst of it all, I still choose to get up and be positive and try to do things and blah, 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 blah. So that is where you want to start. Choose how you want to respond. So when I saw this pandemic in 2020, a week before the shutdown, because I had been watching the news and I had been hearing about it since November before then. Um, I happened to be working um, with the Census Bureau at the time. And because we did a lot of traveling, that was a huge conversation of, oh my gosh, is this pandemic coming here? How much, you know, how's it going to impact us? And so I was very aware and I was very observant of the news way before the shutdown. And so when I made the decision, you know, I had already decided in my mind, I'm going to be the parent who gives my kids the best shot at having a normal life, even in quarantine. I'm probably going to fail in some areas. I'm probably not going to have all my I's dotted and all my T's crossed, but I'm going to give them everything I can. I'm going to make sure that we are the ultimate prepared, happy, balanced family. And, you know, in the beginning, they thought I was obsessed, um, <laughs> which I probably was, but it worked. It worked. Now, after you've made your decision um, with this mindset and you've, you've, you've decided to make an action, you want to follow through and assess. And what are we assessing, right? Because follow through is easy, right? You know, you decide what you want to do. It's no different than making a sandwich. I'm going to make a sandwich. I'm going to get the plate and the bread and the peanut butter and the jelly and the knife and the spoon. I'm going to put peanut butter here and jelly there. You know, you know how to follow through. But what do I mean by assess? Assess meaning, okay, how, how are things going now that I've done this? Have regular check-ins with yourself. You know, you have to decide, okay, I've made the decision, I've done this, but what's the fruit of my labor? And sometimes measuring that assessment is not cut and dry. You know, if you're making a sandwich, you know the assessment very easily. You made the sandwich, you take a bite of it, if it's good, like I did good. Congratulations. Um, I succeeded. Sometimes you make the sandwich and you're like, 
I don't really like it. I put too much jelly over here. I need to lessen this up. I put way too much peanut butter sticking to the roof of my mouth. I need to try this again. I need to take some of this off. Let me reduce this a little bit. You know, a mindset, applying your mindset requires assessment. You've got to constantly gauge where are you. Um, in the beginning of the pandemic, I assessed how my, my kids were. And if I noticed they were starting to fall apart, then I would, I would say, okay, we're having an excursion. And, you know, my excursion was, um, okay, we're going to the drive-thru. They're like, what, really? Do we have to? And I could tell because they were losing motivation. They were getting depressed. They were feeling like, oh my gosh, I can't function anymore. So I literally, you know, grabbed them. I said, get in the car. You don't even have to get dressed. Just get in the car. Where are we going to go? Anywhere you want to go, drive through. What drive through can we go to? And I started listing out everything I could think of. There's McDonald's. There's Wendy's. There's, um, there's a donuts. There's ice cream. And we would have ice cream excursions. And we would go to the drive through Baskin Robbins. And we would get some ice cream, whatever ice cream they wanted. All the toppings, if he wanted cookies, Oreos, and, you know, gummy bears, sprinkles, and every topping they own, so be it. And we would get all of that in, like, excursion. And then we would go find a place to park in a parking lot where there was something pretty. We would go to a park. And we would sit in the car um, at the park, if it wasn't full. And we would just stare at the park and eat the ice cream. And I did this to assess because I knew what I was doing was valuable. But I also had to assess the people around me. Is it helping? Is what I'm doing breaking them? Or is it supporting, you know, what what is happening to them? Because a strong mindset, you, you have to have, you can't have tunnel vision. You know, you always have to think about the other person. Always. Um, if you really think about the essence of being a Christian, I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right? We're always thinking about others. Um, you know, the cross and everything. It's about others. Um, it's just what the whole walk is, is for. And... You got to think about that in your mindset. You may be doing something very helpful, but you can't lose sight of the people around you. If you are the strong person and you're preparing for the funeral, you're the one that's doing the arrangements, you're the one getting the flowers and paying for it all and, you know, getting the hotel rooms and all that kind of stuff. You also have to think in the midst of it, make sure you assess the people that, you know, are around you. There are people who, um, they go through more than a depression, during funerals. There are people who get suicidal. Um, there are people who, you know, get violent. There's people, all kinds of things going on. You got to assess what's happening. Don't just say, oh, well, you know, prepare the funeral. Everybody wear black. We're going here. Da, 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 da. I got it taken care of. You got to think about, okay, maybe the person that's impacted the most by this is feeling down because they have nothing to do because you as the strong one have taken on all the responsibility. These are things you got to assess. Um, you know, those are just examples. Every scenario is different. Um, but I just wanted to give you some tidbits on that. So you got to make a choice, which requires action. You got to follow through with it. You got to assess. And then watch for the end date. Watch for the expiration point. What do I mean by that? Everything. Every single thing in life, no matter what it is, everything has an expiration. Everything. Even being strong has an expiration. And I'm going to say this before I get into what I mean by that. Something that a strong mindset is not, a person who's strong is not someone who has no emotion. And I'm just going to repeat that again because I feel like it just needs to really be hammered in. A person who's strong is not necessarily someone with no emotion. In fact, it's often the contrary. In fact, someone who has emotions can be one of the strongest persons in the whole thing. What do I mean by that? Oftentimes, people will label me as unemotional. Um, 
because my emotions come slowly. But what they don't realize is I have emotions, very strong emotions, but those emotions, they just don't come in long spurts. And I'm feeling something. I'm just not always feeling it in a super immediate fall down all over the floor. My one tear that comes down is just as powerful as somebody's three hours of wailing. Um, But I'm still strong. And and I want to put that out there because it's so easy to label people and think, well, you're not strong. Yes, I am. And just, and letting that emotion out does not make you weak. I'm going to say this. It's okay to cry. I'm just going to put that out there. It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel down. It's okay to have emotions. It's okay to feel. It does not change your strength. And often when you've exercised whatever it is that you have to be strong in, once you've completed the task, usually that's when the strength expires in the person and the emotions come flooding in. So what do I mean by that? It's 2021, taking it back to COVID to sew it up for you. All of 2020, I was fine. The world was freaking out. People were stressed. How do we get out of this house? When does the shutdown end? You know, desperately trying to find. They're they're everywhere. They're at the parks. They're in the parking lot. You know, they, they were just freaking out. I was fine the entire year. I was encouraged. I was motivated. I was telling the kids it's going to be fine. I was telling my soon-to-be hubby at the time it's going to be fine. Like, everything was fine. 2021, around July, the expiration date hit. I had finished a whole year of school with the kids, homeschooling. We had survived. We had developed a quote-unquote sense of normal in our home. Um... Relationships going well, literally everything that I could possibly think of that needed support was addressed. And because there was nowhere that I needed to be strong, because we had registered the kids for the new school year, they were okay. Um, Literally all the I's were dotted and T's were crossed. And then my emotions kicked in. The need for my strength expired. And I broke down. All of a sudden, I felt depression. All of a sudden, I felt mourning. And I was like, oh my God, I have no friends. I have nowhere to go. I don't know what to do with myself. And for people who don't know me, for people who aren't used to me, they would think this girl is bonkers. You know, like what is wrong with her? And there was nothing wrong with me. It just finally kicked in. It was time for me to have emotions and show how I felt. It was time. And it wasn't because I just decided. It's not like I was looking around for it. Like, okay, it was like it clicked. And I say that, and I know that's kind of contradictory to what I said before about look for the expiration date. But sometimes you don't have to look yourself. Sometimes expiration reveals itself. And for me, it revealed. Because I was like, okay, the kids are taken care of. House is taken care of relationship is taken care of. Um, luckily I had the wedding to, to focus on, but I was like, I'm sad. I feel alone. I don't know what to do. I don't even know how to get back to quote unquote, my life before COVID. I don't even remember what my life before COVID was. Is it even worth it to try? Like all of these things were going through my head. So I went from totally fine to 
sad, depressed, needed happy things, needed more hugs, had to have more therapy sessions. Um, you know, and for someone who doesn't know me, they're like, are you okay? Maybe you just need to pray. Maybe you just need some more faith. Maybe you just need to go to church. It was none of that. It was the expiration date kicked in and I finally realized I need help. I have feelings. Those feelings are real. They came out. Look for the expiration date. And what I'll say is once you realize that expiration date, be at peace with what that expiration means. Be at peace with knowing that, okay, I feel something here. Why do I say that? Because if you're not careful, you'll create a false sense of strength where you think you have to be free of emotions, free of feelings, and you'll paint this picture that isn't even real. Where you think that you have to be something that you're not. That doesn't mean that you're strong if you don't show the feelings. In fact, it's the opposite. Showing those emotions, it makes you human. It presents your humanity. It makes you approachable. Because I think, wow, they have feelings too. I can hug them. How many times do you see in movies where they try to show you this? This is one time I'm going to say that, you know, <laughs> movies are really good for examples. Um, how many times do you see the, the, the hero of the show, you know, where they're tough and they've gone through the battle, and they've gone through the war, and they're fighting to defend for their family and everything, and then all of a sudden you see for a brief moment, they're crying. They're not crying the whole time, you know, but they finally cry. Or they finally go in a corner and they're just like... Oh, I don't know what to do anymore, you know, and then they get it together. I believe they do that to show the importance of the balance of the human emotion. Because it's important to show both your strengths and your weaknesses. It's important to show that you can be frail too. I actually had to do this with my kids. And I had to tell them, I said, hey, mommy's strong, but don't get it twisted. I have feelings too. I get stressed. I get worried. They're like, no, you don't. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I do. And I had to get to a point which, you know, I'm still learning to master this. But I had to say, okay, it's okay to show them that side of me. And it's okay to reach out and say, I need assistance in this area. Um, Yeah, and that's the last thing I'm going to say about a strong mindset. It's okay to reach out for help. In the area of being vulnerable. That is also part of a strong mindset. I know you're like, Molly, that's that's a bunch of baloney. I, I'm telling you, this is, you know, these are Molly thoughts. Um, you know, take it, don't take it, leave it, don't leave it. Do what you want with it. Um, it's important to be able to be okay with asking for help being vulnerable. What do I mean by that? So you guys know I'm a big believer in therapy. I think everybody should have therapy. I think therapy would change the world if everybody would embrace it. And I went to therapy and I said, "Um, I have a problem being emotional for more than five minutes. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I hardly ever cry. I mean, even a sappy movie. I might get like two or three little tears out and that's it. And like the second I feel it, I'm wiping it away and get it out. <laughs> My husband even has his joke. He's like, it's okay to let the tear fall. I'm like, no, get that tear out of here. <laughs> you know, because uh, I'm so used to it. Um, but it's okay to seek help. So I actually talked to my husband and I said, hey, honey, I have trouble being emotional. I have trouble crying. It takes a while to get the cry out. It does happen. This actually happened during the divorce, you know, and I won't go into it today, but I'll say that, you know, the last time I divorced, if you're wondering what do you mean by the last time, go back and listen to the wedding series. Um, But I actually, when we got divorced and decided we were going to separate the last time, 
when we were talking about it, there was no sign of my emotion on the outside. I looked like, okay, all right, well, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to split. Was she the best? Now him, you know, he's, you know, he was immediately emotional. He's in tears while he's talking. You can see it welling up in his eyes and he's heartbroken and all this. I didn't show it. Not because I was trying to hide it. It just didn't kick in. Once he left and I closed the door, I had an emotional breakdown. I remember I had an emotional breakdown. I fell apart. I was on the floor, in the hallway, tears and all that stuff because I didn't know how bad it hit me until then. I was like, oh God, he's gone. He's gone. And there's nothing I can do. But no one got to see that vulnerability. And I'll say this, I'm saying this as an encouragement to those of you who are listening that you're like, I'm already strong, you know, and I struggle with that. It's okay if people haven't seen your vulnerability yet. Do not beat yourself up for it. I'm saying this with all the love in my heart because I know what you're feeling. I understand. I understand what it's like to be the emotional person and no one ever sees the emotion. And all they see is a strength in you. Like, man, you can handle anything. No, I can't. Uh, I was like, you didn't see where I'm in therapy, looking for depression medication. You didn't see where I had to have happy music and happy pills and all that. It's like, you did not see this stuff. You know, I I get it. I get it. Sometimes they just don't know how strong and how valuable you are. So it's okay. Okay. It's okay. So just to recap, in case you're like, oh my gosh, Molly, you said a whole bunch of stuff. Um, Strong mindset. Make a decision. That decision requires action. Follow through with it. Assess the people around you to make sure it's actually benefiting. Um, Look for the expiration date on how long you need to be strong. Because being strong is not something that you have to do 24-7. It's just something that, you know, I believe the need arises, almost like a superhero. You know, it's like, okay, situation happens, superpowers activate, you know, and then you're strong and then you're good. I believe that if you can do those things, you can activate strength in yourself and still maintain balance. And remember, part of maintaining that balance is reminding yourself it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to ask for help in learning how to be vulnerable if you've never done that before. And it's okay if no one else has seen that emotion yet. It will happen. It will. And when it happens, it's going to be great. And it's okay. Let people feel what they feel. Um, let people process too. I I keep trying to get off of this episode. (laughs) There's so much more to say. It's okay to let people process how it, what they think when they see you being emotional. You got to keep in mind, they're not used to you being emotional. They're not, you know, I'm saying this for the person that says, I'm going to try it. You're, You're emotional for the first time in front of someone you love. And they're like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with you. You know, you have to give them time to get used to the extra sides of you. This is something my husband and I practice. Um, I am not used to some of the emotional sides of him yet because these are things he did not show when we first were married the first time or the second time, um, we just weren't, he didn't show those sides. So I got used to, he's just not emotional. And that is completely opposite. He is very emotional. And I had to get used to it. So when he would get emotional, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're angry with me. He's like, I'm not, you know, so I'm not yelling. I'm like, you're not? It sure feels like it. He's like, no, you, you're just not used to me showing any kind of passion and my feelings about stuff. And I was like, wow, that's a good point. Keep doing this. I I want to get used to it. I want to understand. And I will say this. 
the first few times that you're emotionally vulnerable in somebody, they're probably going to misinterpret your feelings. I'm just going to put it out there. And I'm saying this because I don't want you to be like, I'm trying to be strong, Molly. And I was vulnerable in front of people. And they don't understand me. And, uh, you know, okay, let's, let's, let's put our big girl, you know, stuff off. Let's, you know, pull up our britches, as they, as they say. Um, give people time. Give people time to get used to you. They can't get used to you if you give them a time limit. If you shut down their ability to process, if you shut down their their emotions, if you shut down their responses to it, then they won't have a chance to get used to you. You want them to get used to you so that one day when you have an emotional moment, they won't look at you cross-eyed like, what's wrong with you? They'll be like, oh, I'm sorry. Here, let me give you a hug. Let me tell you it's okay. But for them to get to that point, they have to get used to seeing that, oh, wow, you cry too. It's important. It's important. Um, You know, just to give you a visual to take away with this, I think about strength and people having feelings and they just don't show it until the expiration date. I think about the... um, and this probably is not the best title for them. But I think about the, the, the British Royal Guard. You know, they look like little tin soldiers, you know, standing outside the, the palace. And the entire time, they are the epitome of strength. They do not show emotion. They do not fall apart. They are on high alert every single second of their shift. And when they see something is wrong or they see the slightest inkling that something could, you know, be a danger, they instantly attack it. They instantly respond full force. They are like a lion under, you know, restraint. And if you don't know those people, it could be very easy to assume that they don't have feelings or to think that they just don't get emotional or they just don't cry. And I disagree. I believe that they have all the emotions we have. They're still people. They're just highly trained to handle pressure well. And we don't know how they are behind closed doors. We don't know if they, you know, handle their emotions by tears or drinking. We don't know what they do. But I know that they're people. I know they're not void of feeling. And just because you don't see them exercising that feeling when they're on duty doesn't mean they're any different. And you want to be very similar when you think about a mindset, a strong mindset. Think about that tin soldier. That's really what you are under pressure. Tragedy comes, difficulties come, and you are the tin soldier. You're not breaking down. You are on your post. You've got eyes peeled. You are, you are, you know, uh, You know, you're full of your equipment and everything you need to handle that situation. And then when the expiration date is, okay, my shift is up. Then you let your hair down and you breathe and you talk and you do whatever you got to do. That's really strong mindset. So I gave you a whole bunch today. I know this is longer than my normal episodes. I hope you got something out of it. Um, Thank you for those that have been supporting and asking about, you know, my hubby and everything. We appreciate it so much. Um, we are doing well and I look forward to talking to you next time until then be blessed, be empowered, encouraged, and I pray that you have favor and a fabulous holiday.